Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! Yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, episode number 14, A Red Letter Day in Steelers History. And that piece of history is the fact that the Steelers Outpost Podcast is 14 episodes old today. I know you've been waiting for it, ladies and gentlemen. Of course, all of us who keep track of the podcast world know that the 14th episode is a real significant step. A lot of people don't get past number 13, and it's almost guaranteed that if you get to 14, you're you're destined for stardom. So thank you, everybody, who's been here since the beginning, and congratulations on hearing what is soon to be the most popular Steelers podcast, maybe in American history. I don't know. We'll see. But we got plenty to talk about today, so it's fitting that this big day for us came on a big day for Steelers Nation. So this is Tom in Washington, D.C., and Nick is in Houston at the Outpost in Texas. We are here to celebrate the Steelers achieving AFC North champions last night around midnight. There's definitely been no shortage of drama or um, stress for this entire season. Last night was no exception. Another unbelievable win by the Steelers, obviously filled with its with its issues, particularly on that defensive side of the ball. But watching this offense and this offensive nucleus in its prime, doing what it's doing, making the storybook season chug along, moving to this 11-2 record, two-time uh, AFC North champion right in a row. That's, what is that, three out of the past four years? Again, crushing the Ravens' hopes and dreams with a glorious last-minute comeback. There's nothing better. And here we go. We got some momentum going into Patriots week. We obviously got some some big stuff ahead of us. But, wow, what a great way to win the, win the uh, North championship. Yeah, crushing the Ravens' dreams indeed. I think people in Washington probably are happier with the consistency of the Redskins than it would be for the Ravens to have their expectations built up, pushed to the top of the mountain, and then tipped slowly over the edge. I don't want to bury the lead. Steelers 39, Ravens 38, and another last-second heroic kick by Chris Boswell. Yeah, that's four out of five. We're having the same conversations every week, but seriously – an infinite amount of stuff you could talk about in this game and just game after game. There's just drama with these guys. So Steelers fans, it's stressful. Most of the game is let's admit it. It's miserable, but let's appreciate this kind of football. It's incredible. So let's move on to the first uh, theme. We're going on to the major themes of the game. And the theme number one is this team is peaking almost peaking at the right time of the season. We've seen it with the Steelers runs before. You want to see the team firing on all cylinders at the end of the year, rolling into the playoffs, and that's pretty much what they're doing when it comes to the offense, obviously. Now the defense has plummeted into a dark hole, particularly after losing Shazier, but man, the chemistry of this team is solidified. We know the identity. We know the culture. We talk about that all in the first half of the year, and it's here. And Mike Tomlin has got this team with their leaders, just tough. These unbelievable performances and close victories. It's got the team rocking a new swagger, man. It's a good way to go in against the Patriots. And I think that the Steelers still have a little ways to go, particularly if they can just get that defense a little bit better. Then I think that this offense is showing it could carry the team to a Super Bowl. 
Theme number two, the defense is on red alert. This is DEFCON 1 for the Steelers. The loss of Shazier is more than significant. It's profound, and it showed up the entire game. Yeah, so the offense could carry the team to a Super Bowl, or they could lose in the first round of the playoffs because this defense is atrocious. The Ravens are not a good offensive team, yet they just danced their way to 38 points with ease. It, It was disgusting. It was downright unwatchable at times for this defense. So red alert, that's bad news. They need to get a little bit better. Hopefully Joe Hayden gets back in the mix soon. He's not the the cure-all. It's not Deion Sanders coming back, but we could definitely use his help there. And they got to figure out this inside linebacker situation because the Patriots coming into town, let's be honest, they're a little bit better on the Ra- than the Ravens offensively. So we could we could be in for some uh, some trouble here this week. Well, again, we haven't probably pulled out all the tricks we've been learning up until now. Nothing has been revealed. I think we're lulling them into a false sense of security. I'll stick to that. Theme number three, the offense is dominance. This is the offense we paid for at the beginning of the season. We're frustrated at the dearth of of its potential. Not the dearth yeah. of potential, no. the dearth of kinetic energy. That's right. Execution. The lack of lack- electrons. So it's pretty freaking awesome getting to watch this team every week. And I feel that the rest of America is equally privileged as every single game we play is in primetime this year. But... Dude, the Steelers show up on the biggest stages. Uh, A.B. is a legitimate MVP candidate right now. Ben is Ben. Ben is back, baby. We've been saying it. Le'Veon, three touchdowns in this game. The offensive line is playing stellar. They're doing a great job protecting Ben. And you're just seeing this offense put up points, finally, and play to their actual potential. And they didn't even have their second-best receiver in Juju. And he's coming back next week. So, like we said... When, when I think of the Steelers team, I think of it in the same way that I've thought of the last three years, where this year we had this weird false hope that the defense would actually be good, and they, it sort of seemed that way at the beginning of the year, and now we realize that was a bold-faced lie. Um, but the past few years, you knew the defense wasn't good, but it didn't matter because you had the killer bees in this historic offense. And you figured, man, if the defense could just be opportunistic enough to – not completely suck the offense could lead us to victories now it's been a little topsy-turvy this this year and it's kind of been the other way around but now the defense has plummeted and the offense has skyrocketed so let's hope we're looking at a new orleans saints type super bowl run where they had that great offense and their defense wasn't great but they were opportunistic i think if the steelers defense can get a few turnovers here or there this offense could really you can beat any team in a shootout. If you're scoring 39 against that really good Baltimore Ravens defense, I feel good about any team. Let's move on to the five pivotal plays. plays. We had a little difficulty choosing this. As you mentioned at the beginning, there is so much to talk about in this game, but one play stands out and uh, among, among all as the giant, I'll set the set the scene where the Steelers had the ball third and 13 uh, from its own 14, with right. a minute 57 left. And right. Ben this, drops the, back, hits Jesse James across the middle for 16 yards and a first down. The stork incredible. was flying. The stork delivered in this game. You know why they call him the stork? Because he always delivers, baby. Credit to our good friend Rico, friend of the podcast, for that one. I told him during the game, he asked, who is that guy? I said, oh, that's the outlaw, a.k.a. the stork, which is what we call him because he's lanky. But he goes, oh, why they call him the stork? Because he always delivers. Damn. You can continue watching with us. This is excellent. So nice job on Rico with that one. So that's when the Steelers had got the ball back and they were going for their game winning drive. They're down by two points. Some miracle of the Lord and of the football gods had the Steelers defense actually get a stop and Steelers get the ball back. Ben immediately gets sacked for a nine yard loss. So it's looking pretty grim. You're thinking on third down and 13, like, okay, they probably got to pick this up in two increments. But Ben fires a gorgeous pass into this tiny window, which was a big theme of the day. And Jesse James made a really nice adjustment on the ball, kind of catching on his back hip. And boom, they were off and and running. So without that play, I don't know if the Steelers would have been able to get the ball down the field. Huge play. Great play by Ben. Great play by Jesse. That's the first pivotal play. So let's move on to pivotal play number two. 
So as I mentioned, the football gods cascaded a miracle down upon our our worthy heads. Upon that, that doesn't make sense. But anyways, the Steelers actually stopped the Ravens at one point before that Jesse James catch, and that was due to our man Stefan Tuitt, who on third and three, with Baltimore up by two two points, 238 left in the game, the penultimate possession before their their failure ultimate later. We'll demise. get on to that. Yes, that was great. To it on third down, the Steelers bring a lot of pressure. Macklin is open across the middle. Flacco fires it to him. To it jumps up, knocks the ball down. Steelers get the ball back. Huge play by Stefan To it. That's pivotal play number two. Pivotal play number three. Steelers have the ball at their 33. 10 21 left in the game, and it's third down and 10. Ben throws the ball over the middle to AB for about 10 yards, and AB wheeze his way for 50, 57 yards down to the Ravens 10 yard line. MVP. Yep, that was a pretty big play. A lot of big plays on third down. A lot of third down conversions. More on that later. That was huge. Not only did it get us in range for a field goal, we ended up scoring a touchdown on that drive, and it's just a huge momentum shifter. And AB had a number of those. We'll get into those later. Actually, speaking of that, number four, pivotal play number four, that is AB, 34 yards on third and four. This is the game-winning drive. This is basically the play that won us the game. It's third and four, still in our own territory, down by two points. Ben goes deep on third down. He sees AB is one-on-one with Brandon Carr, which was a very favorable sight for him, apparently, this game. And he hits him for 34 just drops a dime beautiful pass great catch and the Steelers shortly after kick a field goal so another huge play by AB we could have picked a number of those catches but but those two were the biggest of all so that's pivotal play number four pivotal play number five again we could argue this but you've you've got to highlight Boz's 46 yard game winning field goal absolutely ice water it's unbelievable I mean I really think that Steelers Nation has almost taken this for granted, for granted what he's doing right now. Just so clutch. I mean, he's along, he's a kicker. You know, it's not the same thing as AB, but wow, the guy <laughs> keeps showing up in prime time to be able to win so many close games like that and to have a guy that you can rely on. That's huge. He's he's playing awesome football. He had 12 points in the game, none of them bigger than that last field goal at the end. Now it's time for us to go into the offensive grades. Offensive grades, indeed. And it's a beautiful day for offensive grades, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just going to tell you right off the bat. Here's a spoiler. It's an A+. My goodness gracious. Score 39 points on the Ratbirds. Those Ratbirds are pretty good. I actually kind of feel bad calling them the Ratbirds today. We'll call them the Ravens. My hatred for the Bengals and the dirty crap nature of those games have, have really made me appreciate the Ravens. Uh, in terms of those, get the Steelers Ravens games being hard hitting, but they're cleaner. There's respect. John Harbaugh leading the prayer session for Ryan Shazier this week. That was awesome. It's still the best rivalry in the NFL. No one comes close. I know we're supposed to be talking about the offensive grade right now, but for probably 15 years, Steelers Ravens has been the best offensive or the best rivalry period in the NFL. There was a two or three year stretch where I think the Seahawks and Niners kind of leaped it for a second while the Steelers and Ravens were down and the Niners and Seahawks were so far up, but that crashed into to nothingness pretty quickly. And this game still, it delivers every time. Just think about the glory that was Christmas day last year. Think about this. It's amazing. So I take back the Ratbirds thing for now uh, because they don't have suicidal maniacs on their team trying to injure people on purpose. But offense gets an A+. Plus. What a great game. 545 total yards. They almost had 600 yards. Ravens hadn't allowed a 300-yard passer all year. Come on. Come on. Benny goes for 500. They score on eight possessions. Huge game. 39 points against the top three defense in the league. I don't think people realize how good this defense is. The pass game is back in action. It's where it needs to be. We need to see this going forward. This game definitely gives you confidence. And then just an unbelievable game as far as situational football goes. Third down was 12 of freaking 18. That's 66%, I think. That's a calculator. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. The red zone, I got this one for sure. 
three for four, 75%. That is just money in the bank. Those have been huge difficulties for us all year. Now, it's not always going to be that high, but if you can kind of split the difference or at least stay closer to these percentages, we got some great things to look forward to. And of course, no turnovers. So the offense had an amazing day. There like, was. I'd like to just you say? point out one interesting fact. We went 44 plays before our first punt. Yeah, that's pretty good, right? If you look at the possessions, two touchdowns followed by two field goals, followed by what you're going to mention next. Right. There was a, a doldrum for a second. I think it, it got everybody freaked out, rightfully so, which is in the start of the second half, the Steelers went three and out. Well, they didn't go three and out. They they had five plays on the first drive, punt. Three plays on the second drive, punt. Three and out on the third drive, punt. Gained 21 yards. And while this was happening, the Ravens were scoring all the time. So it was just a huge shift. But if you look at the whole game, the Steelers scored on their first four possessions. Then they had those three crap drives where they did nothing and they couldn't even gain field position, really. And then they scored on their last four possessions. So you score on eight out of 11 possessions on, on such a great defense. They did an awesome job. But, you know, on those on those three that they didn't score on, it, it would have been nice for them to at least move the ball a little bit. There was some funky play calling during that time, I think, with some of the heavy personnel. But, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to be picky with there. Haley called a great game. We'll get into that later. But, wow, what a great job by the offense. They get a grade of A+. Plus. A+. Plus. Moving on to the quarterback, Ben. 44 of 66, 506 yards, two touchdown passes. He had an average of 7.7 yards per pass. He was sacked three times, however. He did drop back 66 times. Ben is back, baby. I just, I want to write into every stupid ESPN writer and pundit or whoever you want to say who was talking crap about his demise at the beginning of the year and just rubbing in their faces. It's so much sweeter that it comes on national television too. So for everybody to see, because he is dropping dime after dime. He's firing it into really tight windows repeatedly over the course of the game completing ton of third and longs. All of his bombs to A.B. were perf- picture-perfect throws. Um, yeah, he's the man. I mean, obviously, he's, you know, he's probably you know, just minutes away from retiring now, of course. Being facetious, he's not. He's really good at football. The third quarterback, or well, actually not the third, the only quarterback ever to have three games in which he has thrown for 500 or more yards. He's the man. What an unbelievable job. He's, he's back in action. Can't say enough about it. He's got to keep this up going to the playoffs. There, there was a small amount of bad, though, that we definitely have to recognize, which is just three brain farts by him. And we've seen this a lot this year. We've gotten lucky. But he had a couple of super risky throws, three to be exact, when he was getting hit. He almost had that terrible interception to Suggs on the third drive of the game where some guy was dragging him down and it looked like he almost wanted to like throw it behind his head into no man's land and it hit Suggs in the hand. He dropped it. Okay. That was very dumb. We, we don't need that to happen. And then on the last drive, after they completed the long pass to AB, we get in field goal range. Everybody's happy. We're thrilled. Let's run the ball a couple t- three times because the Ravens only have two timeouts. Well, they run it once. And then on second down, there's like a jailbreak blitz. And Ben just covers his eyes, and he just feels like Michael Jordan or something. So he just throws a moon ball out into quadruple coverage. It was triple coverage to no one other than Xavier Grimble. Very ill-advised. Could have been picked. And then the next play, he's getting dragged down from behind, and he he just chucks a lollipop over in between Eli and I think it was A.B. or someone else. But two super risky throws that could have lost the game right there and they were just out of character from the rest of the game where he was you know pinpoint so he's got to cut down on the brain farts there because a play like that could could end the game but dude i mean the guy is leading the team back in glorious fashion every week ben gets a grade of a plus plus moving on to running back specifically levion he had 13 carries for 48 yards not much of an opportunity to break loose there but of those 13 carries, he carried in for two touchdowns, and he had nine receptions for 77 yards and a third touchdown. Altogether, 22 touches, 125 yards, three touchdowns. Not a bad day at the office. 
Yeah, that guy's super good at football. Uh, we don't need to say much more about him. Like we said the past few weeks, Ben and Le'Veon rounding into form, coupled with the emergence of Juju, that's what's really taken this offense to the next level. All I'm going to say, I'm going to say two little things. One good thing, the stiff arm of doom, there was another sighting. He plastered, I think it was C.J. Mosley, into the ground. He trucked Tony Jefferson a couple times, but the stiff arm of doom is nothing to be trifled with. And I feel like it's on film enough now where you just you can't get your head within a, a, a mile radius of him because at any point he could shove it into the ground. And it, it I imagine it's very embarrassing, but it's fun for us to watch. Now, I will say all of us probably almost had a heart attack with that hit he took on the right sideline. We dodged a bullet on that hit to his knee. Luckily, his uh, foot wasn't planted. I don't even think it was on the ground, really. But, man, that knee buckled backwards. He got, like, a helmet right to the knee, and I was terrified. That was a hyperextension right when you saw it, similar to the one he suffered against the Bengals a few years ago. But it didn't happen, and he's fine. Let's, he probably won't practice this week, and he'll be ready for next week. I Maybe actually started limping really in sympathy for him. I would t- I'll take the pain for him. Whatever it takes, keep him on the field finally through a playoff run. But Le'Veon was great. Three touchdowns. Owned the first half and the beginning of the second half. He gets a grade of A+. Plus. A+. Plus. Moving on to Antonio Brown. There's not much more to say. No accolades that we haven't already rendered at Caesar's feet other than MVP, MVP, MVP. It's the last crusade. And he's getting legitimate MVP chatter because he's a human highlight reel and he is a football god among men. He is a man among boys. If not for Ben's performance, and what do you do with 11 receptions and 213 yards? And just the clutch receptions every week, it's crazy. And it helps his MVP case that he's playing in primetime so much, but the guy is taking over games. I mean, I think that He's definitely moved ahead of Julio and Odell at this point right now as, as the real number one guy. I always say that those three, they're kind of interchangeable because you see some stuff that Julio does and it's outrageous and you don't want to be a prisoner of the moment, but it's just the consistency and with all the attention he gets, it's unbelievable what he's doing. I have nothing else to say. Let's hope that the Steel Man get a big victory over the Patriots because that would really help his MVP cause. That will be a sweet reward or award for him to get. So A.B., shocker, he gets an A+. Plus. A+. Plus. Uh, let's talk about the other wide receivers. Martavis had six six receptions for 66 yards. He's really rounding out on the form. This seems to be his sweet spot. He's not going to get the 10 receptions. Uh, unfortunately, he's not getting the 50-yard receptions either, but he is catching things on the sideline. He's starting to make more plays. I don't think he should be returning kickoffs much longer, but... Right now, we're just talking about offense. Eli, three receptions for 66 yards. Yeah, I actually liked Eli's game this time. Uh, You'd like to see maybe another catch or two, but, man, he had two great, well-executed first downs where he he made a catch running to the right sideline, and right when he caught it, he just pirouetted and headed in for the first down, and then he had the long, like, 16-yard conversion. So he played well. I think Marty... You're right, he's he's rounded into form recently, but I think this was a down game for him. Obviously, the kickoffs were a disaster. He muffed two of them and almost ran back in the end zone for a safety. And he just gets pinned inside to the sidelines way too much. We need to see him get that 50-yard catch. We, we still need a little bit more from these guys, but once Juju comes back, I think that changes. Receivers get a grade of B-. minus. The offensive line, um, we had 59 yards rushing, a 3.7-yard clip. We uh, allowed three sacks on 66 dropbacks. Not a bad job. Actually, pretty good job protecting the quarterback given the proliferation of dropbacks against a formidable top five defense. Yeah, probably top three, honestly. They they were awesome. When I went back and I rewatched this game, I got more of an appreciation for just how well and how consistently they protected Ben. When you're watching that game, you're so stressed out. You're just thinking in the back and forth. But, man, they protected him from an onslaught. The Ravens are such a good pass rushing team. They got three sacks, yeah, but the guy threw 66 times, like you said. They did awesome job. Now, we still need more in this run game. 
like with the defense, how we said, if those guys could just get a little bit more, one or two more stops per game, maybe one extra turnover, the same thing is true for the O-line. We just need to get over that damn four yards per carry mark because they've struggled running the ball the whole year. Now, granted, there's a few teams harder to run on than, than Baltimore, but we need a little bit more. But awesome job protecting Ben and, and enabling us to win this game. O-line gets a grade of A. Tight ends really showed up this game. This was their breakout game. Unfortunately, we lost Vance. I don't know how long. I don't know what the story is on him. Shoulder injury. Yeah. But uh, the jumbo package was running strong throughout the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Jesse had uh, 10 receptions for 97 yards, almost got to the century mark. Vance had four receptions for 52 yards. They were awesome. They were tearing up. Vance had a bunch of nice intermediate receptions where Ben would throw a bullet to him at 15 or 20 yards or so, and he would jump up, make the catch, get crushed, and and still hang on to it. So Vance is I don't a know man. How- Vance is a man, and he's he's helped this offense go every time he's in. He just can't stay in, and I don't know if it's looking that good since he, he didn't come back into the game or anything like that, and I don't know what it's looking like for him playing, but let's just give credit where credit's due. This was the best game of the Stork's career. Jesse James, the Stork, always delivers. Ladies and gentlemen, he was he was this is the best I've ever seen him play. There was a ton of nuance to his running, even his funny little pitter patter. He started to get the the vibe to that where he is now catching the ball and getting the extra two or three yards, which is what you need from your tight end. And then he just made a lot of catches on great throws from Ben that wrote you know, they're just professional catches. They require a little adjusting. You gotta catch it behind you because you're in the middle of a zone or gotta catch it high or whatever. He played really great. What an awesome game from the tight ends. And they did a pretty decent job blocking. Obviously, no one did a great job in terms of us not getting a lot of yards. But they did all right blocking. But, man, the receptions, what a huge game. They get a grade of A+. Plus. A+. Plus. We don't have this as a specific uh, position, but we've got to mention the fullback. Rosie, we do. Rosie nicks his touchdown. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it, first of all, it was a, a, a pass that Ben Lavenhoek couldn't see with a microscope and Ben put it in a very tight window and Rosie just put out those rope-like forearms and grasped the ball like a vice and brought it to the ground for his first career touchdown I mean what a catch he had the safety draped all over I got my safety on my running back I like these odds (laughs) well you know it's also interesting that the Ravens fullback the 300 pound running back for the Ravens also got a touchdown pass he caught like in different fashions like, no one's going to expect the giant white guy to catch this. Ah, oh, he got it. Damn it. The, Rosie, like, had a combat catch. I mean, so crucial. It was so cool seeing Rosie on the first kickoff sprint down the field, nail the kick returner, and then lift up the jersey to show the Shazier uh, shirt underneath and then mm-hmm. have this great game from Rosie in, in terms of those splash plays. So we don't give him a grade, but if we did, we'd give him an A+. Plus. A+. Plus. We're going to talk about, give out the uh, coaches' grades now. Coaches. So we're the ASC North champs again. Another gutsy, close victory and uh, good game plan. I mean, really de-emphasizing the run, emphasizing the pass, and we yep. came out on top in a very close game. Mike Man. Tomlin. He has Hats created off. some warriors. You're 11-2, and two, and they have not done it the easy way either. They've played some tough games. They've made some games tougher than they need to be. But we said this a few weeks ago, like, hey, the Steelers aren't going to blow anyone out. They're going to be in close games the whole year. But that includes close games against very good teams, which the Ravens are a flawed team. I understand this. But the Ravens are good. And they're kind of getting hot at the right time, too. I think they'll bounce back from this. they got a cream puff schedule. We might see them again in the playoffs after this. But, man, how do you win games like this? To come back from the Shazier thing during the game last week to beat a division foe who's like rabid on the ropes <laughs> two weeks in a row, <clears throat> excuse me, to beat these kind of guys. What a crazy set of emotions. And somehow this team always finds a way to win. You got to give Mike Tomlin great credit for that. Now, we can't sugarcoat this too much. The defense is a disaster, and that's not an exaggeration. So, you can't ignore that. He's really got to shore this up. Listen, we take the positive view of on this podcast because it's true. The Steelers have a great shot at the at the Super Bowl. 
Right now, the odds of the Steelers and the Patriots meeting in the championship are, were rated at 51%. We know they got a great shot. So we're, there's reasons to be positive, but we can't ignore the fact that that defense is brutal. That falls on the head coach as well. So that docks him a little bit. But overall, great job by Mike Tomlin. Another AFC North victory for the division. He gets a grade of A. Todd Haley follows in uh, Tomlin's footsteps. Great play calling. Ben completed passes all over the field. It looked like a good game plan. As I said, de-emphasizing the run. And to our benefit, um, mustered 39 points. Yeah, I just there was a chart that I saw. It was like a next gen stat, next gen stat or something like that, where it just shows little dots on where all Ben's throws and completions were at, and it's just scattered all over the field, particularly underneath of that ten yard range. So it really shows that Ben is beginning to just play smarter, like take smarter throws, take what the defense is giving them is giving him, and then pick his deep shots. And when he throws the deep shots, every one of those balls was on. So. Thing of beauty, I like that Todd switching it up that way. We will mention this one crazy gaffe, which I guess we can put on Mike Tomlin and Todd Haley, but after AB caught that long pass to put us in a field goal range to win the game, we run on first down. Baltimore has two timeouts. They use one of the timeouts. So it's second down. We're in field goal range. It's about 45-yard field goal at that time. Baltimore only has one timeout. You should just run twice, right, and then make – and make the field goal as time expires. Well, we throw two straight passes, two straight incompletions, those heinous lollipops from Ben, nonetheless, almost interceptions, and stop the clock. We we don't make them use all their timeouts. And then we kick the field goal, and there's still time left on the clock, which you knew, 56 seconds, that's enough to score. So that was a major gaffe, I thought. But overall, Todd, great game. He gets a grade of A. Moving on to Keith Butler. I'm not sure what to say here. I mean, there is not a lot of gunpowder in the keg, nor do we have armor in the armamentarium. I mean, we are down some significant players, but I just saw some things on defense that were consistently getting shredded like the right side of the line. And uh, Keith just, I would just think he's got to come up with a game plan to patch some of these holes. Yeah, I mean, we know these things come down to execution. It's really the players on the field. But the sample size is large enough that your defense sucks and you're the coach. So we need more out of him. And like you said, the Ravens are succeeding in the same way over and over again. Figure out a way to make it happen. And you say we're down some significant pieces. Well, yeah, definitely. We're down one major piece. Like we say, Shazier is like the Troy of this era. Like when he goes out, everything falls apart. Um, and Hayden obviously will be welcome to have him back. But overall, you're pretty healthy. You have most everybody. It's just, it seems like this young player, the young p- player talent has not developed. Sean Davis was horrendous. We'll get into that later. But Dupree, we've been talking about it all year. He's leaving a lot to be desired. Okay? A lot of these young guys aren't really developing. We need a little bit. Obviously, TJ is a little different, but we need more from that. We need more from the coach. Keith Butler gets a grade of D. Going to move on to the defensive grades. Defensive grades. Steelers allowed 413 yards. 269 of those were in the air, 152 on the ground for an average carry of 5.8 and let up 40% on third downs. I think significantly, it felt like more, but there were four splash plays, four four splash pass plays of over 20 yards and four runs that were over 10 yards. And if you look at everything just short of splash plays, the uh, Ravens were were killing it. I mean, they had a ton of runs between seven and nine yards and so on. So uh, again, I'll just note the fact we gave a 5.8 yards per carry. Not good. Uh, fundamentally, I saw a huge problem on the gap on the right-hand side, lack of containment. And as you noted before, sort of universal poor tackling. Yes, they're not good at tackling. I'm looking at every player on that defense. This was horrible. I mean, the Steelers should have murdered the Ravens in this game. The Ravens are not a good offensive team. I know they just, they're kind of coming into their own, and Alex Collins is a good running back. Kind of sucks that they picked him up. I was hoping that they would just never get good skill position players. But nonetheless, Joe Flacco, he, he's not playing that great this year and they don't have a ton of weapons really. And we got run all over passed all over terrible game from the defense. We're going to give them, well, 
we will give it with the caveat that they did finally come through when it mattered <laughs> at the last possible opportunity for them to come through. Those last two drives, they did their job. So that saves them from the F, but we got to give them a grade of D. D. Moving on to the defensive line. You know, my initial impression watching the game was that the defensive line just didn't have it this game, which tells you why not you shouldn't rely on first impressions. I went back and looked at the film tape, as you were, digital, and uh, realized actually the defensive line did its job. I mean, it did hold up where it needed to, tied up two, you know, each of them were tying up at times two offensive linemen, and they got a pretty good push. Unfortunately, they didn't get the Flacco. We had... Uh, they combined for 12 tackles and two quarterback hits. A little shy of what they've been doing recently. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. They actually they did get a decent push. A lot of those big run plays were coming around the side. Like Alex Collins would bounce it out, out or Bruce Allen or whoever that other running back is. Ah, damn, I forgot. This. It's not Bruce Allen. That's the Redskins guy. Regardless, they were bouncing it to the outside uh, a lot, and that's where the yardage was coming from. I think the one thing I was lacking from the D-line – is like you said, the splash plays. We need, I mean, the money makers are right there in the middle. Those are the guys making all the money, to it and and Cam and like we said, to it came through with the big play at the end. But they 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 played all right. They weren't the biggest problem on defense. We're giving them a grade of B minus. And now we're gonna we're gonna slide down the ladder a little bit and look at the inside linebackers. This is obviously where we lost Shazier um, allowed and. You can't attribute everything to inside linebackers, but the 5.8 yards for a rush kind of sits squarely on the inside linebackers' shoulders, in my opinion. Uh, 11 tackles and one quarterback hit. Oh, they were miserable. This is another thing that I wonder about, Keith Butler. They kind of split the snaps between Sean Spence, Arthur Motes, and LJ Fort, and they were all bad. They did not know how to make reads. On all of those plays where Alex Collins bumped it to the outside, they couldn't. They took forever finding him, and then those guys are too slow to catch up with him on the sidelines. And even when they did get to the sidelines, they would miss the tackle. I mean, the play where there was one play where Ryan Motes got him on the sideline by the ankle. He was holding on to his leg, and it kind of resembled that Le'Veon mystery touchdown against the Bengals, where you, everyone thinks, "Oh, he's going out of bounds," and he slips out of this guy's arms, and he just runs for another 30, 40 yards. They were horrible. Obviously, our priority with Ryan Shazier is we're praying for the guy to walk again. That's the one thing we need. But now you're you are seeing the impact he has on the defense in more ways than one. They were horrendous. We need to get that short up. That's going to be a big problem against the Patriots, who use a lot of uh, passes to running backs and stuff like that. The inside linebackers get a D minus. D minus. Moving on to the outside linebackers. Uh, yeah, that's how I notes. feel too. <laughs> <laughs> Even fewer tackles, five tackles. They did have, uh, TJ had one sack and three quarterback hits, one uh, tackle for loss. As I said, uh, the right side was susceptible to the run all night. I mean, they, they were bouncing it outside. Maybe there was extreme penetration from the defensive lineman, but that's what the outside linebackers are there for. I, I just yeah. saw maybe they were um, penetrating too far. Yeah, and that's the right side of the Ravens' offense, so that will be the left side, but Dupree's side, who we've had a lot of issues with all season. Love his athleticism. He flashes every once in a while, but, man, they don't even get any pressure on the quarterback from those outside linebacker positions. Now, TJ did have a couple good rushes, and it took us to the very last play of the game – to get a sack but man that was a huge play he has such a great motor unbelievable that's what people say about him and i always feel bad when you get that kind of compliment because that doesn't mean you're a great player it just means you you're a great hustler and you're a decent athlete but it's very valuable and i do see a lot of signs of him becoming a potentially if not dominant but very good defensive end he has these great hand moves he actually has pass rush moves rather than bud who just runs to the other end zone and tries to catch up from from behind with his athleticism but yeah we need a lot more from them we've been saying it all year they're going to get a grade of d plus d plus cornerbacks Ooh. eight tackles 0. 0.0 this was an abysmal another abysmal game for the cornerbacks Sensabaugh exposed again yep. um 
Can't tackle, Ar- can't cover. Sandspaw got run over multiple times. So Artie had kind of an uneven game, but he did uh, he, he did get flagged for pass interference twice. And I think you and I agree the the call against him when he was on Wallace should have it could have gone either way. And they were both hanging all over each other. And Wallace's fingers were actually inserted into the shoulder pad of Artie Burns. Yeah, he got the short end of the stick there. I was livid when you, when I saw that because it was just classic Artie Burns. But when you saw the replay and then when you rewatched the game, that that was. That was a blown call for sure. And, you know, we might have got away with one of those on one or two of those on the other side ourselves. A lot of people are whining, uh, including John Harbaugh at halftime, about how AB pushes off, but he's just mastered that move on the go route. It's so subtle. It's just a little hip tap. So it's not this blatant push off. And hey, everyone's touching down there. You know, there's hand combat. So I don't think that these are egregious push offs. Now, the one with Wallace where Artie got screwed. It wasn't even a catchable ball. So it, there was just multiple chances for them not to call that. So we got to give Artie a little break because he looked like an idiot. Also, he did almost ruin everything because he took his helmet off after that, and that's a penalty. So you can't just totally lose your cool at that point, even though he was getting scapegoated. But I, I, I say this for the corners, and I'll say this for the safeties. Even if they're not playing well physically, the communication – is miserable. There's just too many coverage breakdowns. We don't know how to cover people. So Arden did have a couple good plays, but this secondary is brutal. Definitely a little nervous about what it's going to look like this coming week, but they're going to get a grade of D. D. Which which brings us to a very, very sad case, the safeties. 17 tackles, very positive. One uh, tackle for loss and one critical interception in the first series of the game. And then it goes downhill from there. And we have a number of examples of missed tackles, misreads. And as you just pointed out, there were pockmarks all over the field. Miscommunication. We don't even know who to blame, but we're going to pin this all on the safeties. Sean Davis was miserable in this game. He had the pick, and I think he had one other nice tackle. But besides that, dude, this guy cannot cover. He doesn't even know where to go. And on top of that, he had two 15-yard unsportsmanlike penalties. Now, the second one where he suplexed the guy, it seemed pretty obvious that he didn't know that he had dropped the ball yet. So I I will give him a little bit of a break on that, but I'm also like, how did you not know that he didn't have the ball? You're a pro athlete. Come on, man. We need a little bit more from you. They really need to get their communication better, and that's their job. They've got to lead the defenses back there. And Mike Mitchell traditionally is actually a pretty good communicator back there. And this really more falls on on Sean than than Mitchell, but Mitchell didn't exactly help his case either. And uh, they did pretty bad. So we're going to give them the rare auspicious grade of F. But we'll also remind you that the Steelers did win the game 39-38. to 38. We should have probably started with the defense and worked into a crescendo into the grades for the offense. But... All in all, it was worth the five hours of sleep I got yet again on right. Monday night or Monday morning, as it were. And um, we can now start looking forward with impunity, without criti- criticism, that the Patriots come to town next week. And it's finally here, ladies and gentlemen, the theme of the whole season. Coming down to this mega showdown. Now, by the way, let me check this again, because while we're recording this, they... Uh, <laughs> The Miami Dolphins are up 20 to 10 in the third quarter on uh, against New England. So obviously by the time you're hearing this, there will be a result. Let's hope it's a New England loss. That'd be fantastic. I don't know if it makes that much of a difference because even if they beat us, then I guess they would be fine <laughs> because they would have a tiebreaker over us. And But I just – I love it when they lose. So let's just root for that regardless. Now, okay, we just wanted to take a little bit of time at the end of this podcast to – briefly talk about what we need to do to beat the Patriots because let's be honest here this is not a good matchup for the Steelers now the obvious reasons are because they've won five or six in a row we haven't beat them since 2011 they have they owned us in that AFC championship game and Bill Belichick and Brady just they they've got that matchup against Tomlin and Ben so those are those are viable reasons but even on top of that their personnel is a bad matchup for us you know, they've got – they do a ton of passes to the running backs, which would not be a big deal if 
Ryan Shazier were there, but now you're going to have some of the slowest guys in America trying to cover those guys. Um, they're a great passing offense, and they shred zone defenses. And we have failed miserably. Andy Dalton carved us up. Flacco did okay. And, and Stafford really carved us up against uh, when we played the Lions. So there's a lot of bad matchup issues there. Obviously, they have a good secondary, and uh, they score lots of points. So let me give you the four keys to the Patriots game for the Steelers winning because despite all that, the Steelers have some mega firepower and they could beat any team would absolutely beat any team. So key number one, score more than 34 points because you're going to need it. There is no way we're holding them under 30 points. I hope I eat my words with that, but you got to win a shootout. That's the only way to beat the Patriots right now. I think because our defense obviously isn't going to be shutting someone down anytime soon. And the way that we're going to get to those 30 points, 34 points, is by being good situationally. So convert those third downs in the beginning of the game, like we did this time. Convert in the red zone. You need to score touchdowns against Tom Brady because he's going to score touchdowns. Field goals aren't going to do it. And, hey, the game's at home. Steelers have been rolling at home, so I like the odds on that. Now. I'll move on to key number two, win the turnover battle. That's simple. I, you're not going to beat them if you don't win the turnover battle because they're going to score a lot of points. We got to score points. Number three, this is my big one. Juju and Jesse, they are going to be crucial to this. They're going to have a lot of opportunities because what the Patriots do is they make you play left-handed. They do everything they can to take away your number one threat, so that means they are going to do everything in their power to take away Antonio Brown, the MVP of the National Football League. They're going to do everything possible to take him away, even if it means leaving other guys open. And I think Jesse and Juju are going to have a lot of opportunities. And I think that Juju can thrive. And I think that Jesse played a great game this week, so he showed he can do some stuff too. So they're going to be really crucial. And number four, I had just put those matchups with the linebackers and the running backs. They'll just eat you alive with that kind of stuff. So Keith Butler is going to be really crucial in drawing up a confusing type of game plan or finding a way to mitigate the damage with those running backs. But those are the keys. And, hey, the Steelers got the roster to do it. we got the offensive firepower. We have the swagger. The team has been rolling running into this game. I would not be surprised if the Steelers won this game, honestly. I, I They're rightfully not favored in it. They're, I think they're two-and-a-half-point underdogs, but, hey, we got a chance. I'm going to project something here just for fun. I actually think Alejandro Villanueva will be tackle-eligible in this game and will catch a touchdown pass. We've been saving this thing all damn year. We've been, the Steelers are saving things. They have, they have plays they haven't shown yet. And that's why they haven't even been so bad at pass defense because – we we can't practice them because the Patriots are there just filming that stuff anyway. So you really got to leave it under the wraps. And they're probably listening to this podcast right now. Well, actually, they're not. They're just uh, they're down twenty six to ten now. Miami just scored another touchdown, setting them up for a crushing disappointment by the end of this game. Well, it's it's never too late for Jay Cutler and the Dolphins to implode. But let's just hope the Patriots lose for the sake of them losing, because it everybody wins when they lose. Well, that is that takes us to the forty-seven minute mark. Uh, as you said, there's there's plenty to talk about, but uh, we're going to look forward to the next game. We appreciate everybody joining us, and please give us some feedback. We really are trying to improve the show. We are beginners. Yeah, please do. We've we've noticed some things that we need to work on, but your perspective will be immensely helpful. You can reach us via email at steelersoutpost at gmail We still can't afford our own domain. But we do have our website, SteelersOutpost.com. You can drop us a note there or follow us and communicate with us on the Twitter at Steelers Outpost. The drama of this season is crazy. This is the best reality TV show you could ever see. It is, to me, really inspiring to see particularly the Killer Bees, but the whole team, but to see these guys just rise up and find ways to win games. I know it's stressful. I know... This Patriots game is looming, but Steelers have a great chance to win it. And even if they don't, we're in great position for for a first-round bye, and we'll get another crack at them, or maybe they'll get knocked off by somebody else, like the Ravens. But first things first, let's hope we get a victory this week. Enjoy the ride, everybody. Thank you for listening. Steelers Outpost Podcast. All right, Steelers Nation, until next week. Here we go. Okay, bye-bye.
That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers. But you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. Auto Trader.